This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell. The show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... Rob Beckett. Josh Widdicombe. Just taking him. Aww. So close. So close. That's a cute one. That is a cute one. That was Emma, age four. Oh, do you know what? I, I, I've got a question for you, Rob, that I've just thought of. Would you uh, have considered doing children's TV? And question two, do you think you'd have been good at it? I don't think so, no. I think I've got more edge than I show. I think I think you'd I think you'd end up slamming a child by mistake. Like Yeah, I think you'd I'd end be up a bit... like doing a joke at their expense and it would all go wrong. Because I, I struggle a little bit with stiff neck comedians sometimes. I go in on them a bit hard and they panic because they're only children and no one's ever shouted over them before, so they don't know how to cope. Like so I, I struggle with that. Never mind little kids. You know what I mean? When like... If you'd hosted Run the Risk, you'd have absolutely destroyed a child for getting yeah. it wrong, thrown him in the gunge. I'm a bit too quick. I, mean, it's, I, I like to call it the sort of Lee Mack disease, where Lee Mack's so fast on a panel show that he will leave all emotion and compassion aside to get the joke in and then come up to you after and go, I'm really sorry about that. I, I just said it too quick. <laughs> his brain is <laughs> just... A, his brain's like a Formula One car of speed. Yeah, well, it's just bang, bang, bang. And that's happened to me. Would I lie to you? And he come up to me and, oh, yeah, I was a bit, that was a bit harsh. That. Sorry about that. It just came out too quick. So I think, again, I'd, I think I'd be a bit You'd like be that. saying that to a four-year-old in the uh, in the green room of... Um... Sorry about all that stuff about your mum being a prick, mate. I, um, <laughs> yeah, just come out a bit quick. Just, I've had a, bad, I had a big night last night. Sorry about that. You're right. Yes, you'll stop crying at me. Give someone get my football or something. You know, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, what about you? Would you? I don't know if you'd. I don't know if you'd. No, it wouldn't have been for no. me. It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. Um, it's, it takes a, a certain skill set, doesn't it? it? It really does. I mean, yeah. So not for me. I mean, I say with being a teacher of young kids and stuff. Like I've got my my four. Well, she's going to be five soon. My five year old's parents' evening of the first school of primary school this week, which is yeah. going to be. I mean, how, what, what can you say about a kid at that age? I've told you what the what my my first parents' evening didn't I? No. <laughs> my teacher went, Mrs. Beckett, where do we start with Robert? Let's put it this way. He's never going to be a high flyer. 
Five. <laughs> five. Um, it would have been four and a half, actually. No. Um, I suggest you get down the early learning centre and get some blocks and shapes. What? And then my mum took me out of school and took me to another school. That is amazing. Look at me now. Yeah. I'm illiterate, but I did host a Royal Variety performance. Who, so. Who's laughing now, eh? Who, yeah, I'd say mid-level flyer. <laughs> Just enough to parachute from, but not to be picked up on radar. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's nice. That's nice to hear that, you know, you've overcome that. Any uh, parents' evening disasters that anyone wants to give to make you feel better ahead of this uh, yes, terrifying please. first parents' evening, you know the email address. Um, how's your week been, Rob? It's been all right, actually. Yeah, I've been at home a bit more with the kids, doing the school runs and stuff. How about you? You've all right? Yeah, I've got into quite good. Um, I've really, I've got much better. I've, I've developed a technique of making tasks I need to do around the house fun for my daughter. All right. So then it's like a game. So just turning really boring things into a game. So tidied the drawers in my office. She really enjoyed that. Yeah. But what was the game? Each thing I'd say keep or throw away and then she'd have to put them in the different pile. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Good, huh? And then uh, breaking up some polystyrene that came with her new bed. That was a fun game. Yep. And then taking some clothes to the charity shop. She absolutely loves taking the clothes to the charity shop. You sent her on her own. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy bag, but you're doing a good deed. See you in a bit. Well, I do that with my girls, but I do Sergeant Major. Yeah. Sergeant Major is quite a good one where you sort of go, right, army, assemble. You make them all stand up and march and then send them off to do stuff. That's It's it's a really good thing. And what I've realized is because the stuff they are into is so boring in itself, they don't realise that what you're doing is actually boring as well. It's as crap as yeah. the stuff they like. I still think it's an adult job, so it must be fun and exciting, exactly. but it isn't. Our life's awful. Exactly. Also, as well, another technique is whoever tidies up the quickest gets a bag of Haribo. That really gets them going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do they both get one, or is that absolutely, you know, winner, winners only? I mean, it always ends up as a draw. Yeah. They've had 15 score draws in a row of who tidied up the best. <laughs> I tell you what, seeing as it's been a draw again, you both have Haribo. <laughs> Um, have you got anything on the Instagram, Rob? Yeah, I've got some Instagram DMs. We're still going through Joshua. Yeah. Do you want this one? Yeah. So, um, hi, Rob and Josh. Love the podcast. It's really helped me get through lockdown of the last six months. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to have helped to leave from Swindon. Following on from Trunk and Bomber, this is when uh, my daughter called an elephant trunk. Yeah. Instead of saying trunk, C-U-N-T. Um, which I can inform you she's moved on from. But she can't say conquer. She says onker, which just sounds like she wants to a game of onkers where you just basically smash yogurts on each other um, <laughs> but she says onkers and she says a corn for acorn which really makes me laugh a corn a corn um, anyway <laughs> like a harvester waitress a corn um, here we go so from trunk to bomber wanted to share with you that we used to have a huge wall clock train station style and my four year old boy when he was about two used to tell everyone that we had a huge black cock in our kitchen <laughs> hilarious but also quite embarrassing we got rid of the clock when we redecorated <laughs> i mean that is that's an extreme way to avoid having that problem surely <laughs> oh we got no we got another one here um, hi josh and rob firstly i'm not a parent but i absolutely love the podcast i persuaded my sister a busy mum of three to have a listen she loved it also but she did comment that she thought the guys talked very quickly I assume she was just referring to Rob's usual cockney knees up chitter chatter and quick wit banter, so I thought nothing of it. However, a couple of days ago, 
She sends me a text saying, okay, there's a reason I thought they were super rapid. I had it on 1.5 times speed. <laughs> Didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> thought it was worth noting, just in case there's any other half-asleep parents out there that have you guys on fast forward by mistake. There's anyone that's got it on 0.5. Well, to really appreciate it, to really get to the most out of it. A nuance of it all. I do find, and I don't want to tell you who, but there are a couple of comedy podcasts that I do love, but I've always had issues with uh, the contributors' speed of delivery, and I listen to theirs on 1.5 to increase the last per minute count. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Can I have a guess? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Because it's good stuff, but it takes too long to get there. <laughs> so impatient. <laughs> anyway. What does uh, it sound like on 1.5? Is it listenable? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Right. If you want to get in touch with the show, here is how. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency designed Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so today, Rob, yes. we've got a, a guest, very excited about this guest. For those that aren't aware of um, the boxing world, yes. would you like to give a brief praise of Eddie Hearn? Well, Eddie Hearn, uh, son of Barry Hearn for our older listeners, and he's uh, well, basically the biggest uh, boxing promoter in the world. He's got five, he looks after Anthony Joshua and he looks after Carl Froch, sold out. Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people. And he's a huge personality, full of charisma, very funny, and an incredibly hard, relentless worker. But um, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. And he's got two young daughters that he lives with with his wife in Essex. And here is Eddie Hearn. Hello and welcome, Eddie Hearn, to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, I'm good. I've got bloody COVID-19. But other than that, I don't feel too bad. <laughs> um... I mean, that, that sums up your positivity, I think. <laughs> Doing well, well not, doing well. Got COVID nineteen, but apart from that, absolutely fine. It was, it's quite funny because I've I've actually it looks like I've given it to my old man as well, which is more of a concern. But oh, he's no. fine as well. He's fine as well at the moment. But it was quite funny because he said to me last night, he said, "You know, it's funny." He said, "I gave you a bloody empire, and you gave me Corona." <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. So, yeah. But the funny thing is, as I was saying to you off off air, is I'm upstairs and. 
I've got to stay up here for 10 days. So I've done four. And unfortunately, my missus and kids who are fine have got to self-isolate for two weeks. Now they've got to go back to homeschooling. So I'm like, all I can hear downstairs is doors slamming and (laughs) I hate you. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, every now and again, I just fire a text into the missus going, you're doing great, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you're not allowed down there. So you're not allowed down there at all. You've got to be completely separate. So she's got to do it all with two kids. I've got the plague. I open the door, say hi, guy. My kids go, get back in your room. So I'm like, all right, and they go. So how are you like eating and stuff? You're getting your food just left outside your door, like a prisoner. They literally run upstairs and like leave a plate and then go, it's there, <laughs> and run downstairs. So, how old are your kids, Eddie? They're ten and eight. Ten and eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So at the moment, you're just sort of on your own. But how 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 was it when you were involved in the uh, homeschooling back in the back in the day of full lockdown? Absolutely horrendous. I mean. Like, I think I've got two, I've got two daughters. I've got two smart kids, but academically, I don't think you know they're they're standouts. But they're quite lippy, quite larry. They, you know, they. Where do they get that from, man? Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem is, is that like me, they're silver spoon kids, you know. So the aim is, and it was always my dad's aim to make sure that you understood about hard work and you know making sure that you had value for everything in life, particularly your family. So for me, it's difficult. I think parenting a kid who has an upbringing that's a little bit unusual, and that is the case with with my kids because we're flying around places, you know, they're coming to shows, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important for me that obviously academically is very important as well, but just just discipline and respect and manners, you know, to be honest with you, is is as up as far up there for me as the academic side. But homeschooling was brutal because my eldest just winds me up so bad. And there was one occasion when I was sitting at a desk. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. And I said, right, we're doing like some quite complex multiplication. So I'm, I'm breaking it down and I'm like, right, what's, um, you know, four plus four. So, and she's like 13. And I go, right now, stop messing around. Let's just get this done. Okay, 12. And I'm like, no, listen to me, right? Just say it. And she's like, 17, 16, 15, 14. 15. And I've just like, literally, I don't, I try not to lose my temper, but I've just, banged the desk with my hand right and like caved the desk in and she's looked at me and I and my wife just come in she went you've got to go you've got to leave now for work I was like I'll take that <laughs> I think I think it was probably the hardest one of the hardest periods of my parenting experience so far and in the end to be honest with you we just sort of said and the worst thing was we tried our nuts off well my nuts um for about oh, I don't know, three or four weeks. And then I phoned up the teacher and I was like, I've got to tell you, it's causing arguments and the atmosphere in the house is not good. And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, if it's like that, just do what you can. I was like, what? You <laughs> <laughs> told me that four weeks ago. I've been like literally up at nine, right, till till four o'clock trying to do every lesson. And then they say, oh, no, no one else is really doing it all. So I'm like, oh, you just wasted a month of my life. So... It's, it's a mad year, isn't it? What, what's it normally like with, you, with the parenting and stuff? Because your, your diary, I mean, especially the last couple of years when you've, I'm a big boxing fan, so I'm aware of you moving into like America and you're, you're promoting mm. over there. You are back and forth from America to Europe, all, all over the place. How, how do you manage it? Were, were the kids just sort of dumped on you when you got back on a Sunday morning or, you know? Yeah, that's, 
that's probably the hardest thing to be honest with you because this, this is hard being away from the kids anyway but when you fly home you know if I did a show on a Saturday night you know generally you'd finish late and then you'd get up and then you'd fly back and then you might land at I don't know five o'clock in the morning six o'clock in the morning go to work and then go and pick them up from school and then of course you haven't seen them for a week so you're required to do absolutely everything that you know a normal father would be required yeah. to do whether that's go and play netball whether that's watch him play the piano whether that's watch him doing trampolining or whatever it is and it is hard to have that enthusiasm as well because I think you know I'm very lucky with with the missus who you know is the the rock at home but but as soon as I get home she doesn't go oh you must be tired dear why don't you go and have a lay down she <laughs> said there they are see you later and then goes upstairs and chills out quite rightfully so so it's about the balance, really. And I think the one good thing, I guess it, everyone's bored of talking about it now, but lockdown has given everybody a chance to sort of reevaluate their life a little bit and spend more time with their kids. And, you know, I've seen my kids more in the last five months than I than I have their whole lives, to be honest with you. If you've spent a lot of time, you're either working or you're back and you're parenting. Is this 10 days when you're on your own, stuck in a room upstairs? Is it? between us a bit of a bit of, bit of a relief yeah I won't say it too loudly because you probably out of drive, but <laughs> I mean it started off so we do we do these boxing shows now that are behind closed doors and we mm. test everybody that goes in to the hotel so you arrive at the hotel you get tested you go straight to your room and you're not allowed to leave your room until you've got your results so I rocked in there last Thursday felt a bit ropey to be honest with you but thought I think I've just got a cold Got the test. We tested 80 people. One comes back positive, me, right? So the security <laughs> come to the room, drop off this PPE. I had to be escorted in a PPE, mask, gloves, like apron, but down to my car. It was so embarrassing. And then I got in the car and I'm driving home and I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got to be at home for 10 days. And then I've sort of, I got in this room on Thursday night and it's now Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite enjoying myself. To be honest with you. I mean, like, you know, the food's coming to the door. Right? I'm, I've got my laptop. I've got my phone. Last night, I watched the boxing on Sky Go. Right? I mean, I can hear all the arguments downstairs, but can't just can't get involved. I'm sorry. So, actually, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. How, but, did, you know, how did your wife take the news that this was going to be the setup? Her right. homeschooling. It's right, my fault. It's like, I, <laughs> darling. I've got I've got terrible news. What? I tested positive for COVID. Oh, you idiot. It's like, well <laughs> I've tried I've really tried to be, you know, careful. I wear a mask, I sanitize my hands. Oh, I can't believe this. Why have you done this? It would it would be you, wouldn't it? Well, it would be, yeah. No, yeah. So yeah, and um, you know, I think uh, she's no, she's not in a good good frame of mind yeah. to be honest with you because i i did i messaged her this morning and i just said um could i have a poached egg with avocado on toast and she didn't reply and then i just got <laughs> a knock at the door half hour later and it was just like this one bit of toast with like a <laughs> little flat flicker of avocado on it so <laughs> and you're talking about your, your your daughters and stuff about like you know silver spoon kids you, you, you refer to them as and that's what you've sort of been referred to as you've grown up is, is their childhood very different to your childhood or is it quite similar because it was quite a jump wasn't it from your dad's barry's childhood to yours and he does yeah. like to remind you of that quite a lot doesn't he yeah, yeah. i think the difference is obviously you know my dad came from east london his dad was a bus driver 
and he lived on a council estate. They had no money. Um, and, you know, he built his empire up from, from nothing. Obviously, I had a touch and I was born, <laughs> you know. But, you know, one thing that you know, when I wrote that book, it's like you start reflecting on your childhood. And I think growing up, I was always Barry Hearn's son. And actually, probably only in the last six, seven, eight years, I've started making a name for myself. So me and my dad always joke that now he's Eddie Hearn's dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> but growing up, he, you know, he was petrified that I would be all the things that he hated, which was the sport, rich kid, you know, who had everything and, you know, never had to struggle for anything. And I think family to us is the most important thing. And we, we want to make sure that everybody you know, is is safe and looked after and, you know, we want to set them up for the future because that's the sort of school of thought that, that we have as a family. But at the same time, we are, I think, probably his best achievement in terms of his parenting was that I do have a complete working class mentality. You know, we know that I was born into wealth. That's just how it was. But I do, I don't see myself as, you know, a rich kid who just mm. you know found his way into this job I, I work my nuts off and I want it's a bit different because I've got two daughters I think I think you know if I had a son I might parent in a slightly different way you know I just want them to be happy really but I want them to understand the important things you know like he drummed into me how did he work. do it Eddie how what were his things that um, he do I think you know like when we were young and I see it now a lot with his with his grandparenting is that and it's a very straight, it might sound strange to some people listening to this, but it's basically that you're not given anything. So if we were playing, I don't know, I played a lot of cricket when I was younger, at quite a decent standard. But when we used to play in the garden, he would bowl literally full tilt at me. <laughs> and, you know, and there was, you know, when I'm, I'm talking about when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And he was like, before we come into bowl, before we play, he'd say to me, now, you ready? Like, and, it wasn't that he just wanted to win against me, but it was like, I'm not going to... And when we used to play table tennis, like, we'd roll around on the floor. Like, I would be diving around this room and he would be doing... <laughs> he would never, ever let me win. And I think that was one thing that he always drummed into me particularly is that, you know, he wouldn't let me have those kind of things easily. So when I won or when I hit a good shot, I deserved it and I'd earned that right to do it rather than... You know, like I, I do it now with my with my kids, and I do exactly the same thing. Where you know we're playing in goal outside, and she's and I won't let her score. You know, and some I'll people say you're are six like, at five. You're, you're you've got a big frame in goal. That's tough. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. Everyone parents different, don't yeah. they? Some will let it go through the legs and go oh, but for us, you know, it's very difficult sometimes. I think bringing a kid up in in know in that kind of upbringing because you know like I say I'm traveling around the world you know they're going on great holidays with it's not a normal upbringing for them and I didn't have a normal upbringing you know at weekends I would be at the crucible watching Steve Davis win the world championship and the next week I'd be in uh, America watching Nazim Hamid you know Mm. so yeah it's it's very it's, it's hard to explain really but I think the key is that you know I was horrible at school really you know, especially in the early parts. Uh, I went to a school called Brentwood School, which was a private school, very good school. Um, but I just, I had a problem with authority, I think. And because I was living this life where, you know, I was around all these superstars and, you know, razzmatazz, 
I looked at the teachers and thought, who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that, but that actually disgusts me now. I know we laugh about it, but as, <laughs> as a kid, that's, I look at that kid now and think, oh, you're horrible. You, you know, like I was flash. I was, you know, and I had a good heart, but I just had a problem with being told what to do by someone that I didn't, but, you know, in my mind, who are you? You're a teacher. Like, what have you? I'm, like, you haven't won five world championships. Exactly. Yeah, but that's <laughs> And it's like, I don't know. I, I struggled with that. And then I got, I kind of got kicked out after my GCSEs. And I went to a college in Romford called Havering College, which was pretty shit, really. But it was like everyone was bunking off. Like, you imagine going from like a top private school to just basically this B-Tech college, like on the borders of East London. And no one really wanted to do any work. And everyone was just bunking off. And after a while, I thought to myself, you don't even get told off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like, so I said to the teacher one day, I said, what happens if you don't show up? And he went, well, it's up to you, isn't it? And you probably won't get a job and, you know, you won't learn and there's nothing I can do about it. And and that sort of motivated me. I ended up getting three solid A-levels. and But that was, a I don't know, I always remember that because I think about it with my kids as well. And I think... They're a little bit like that as well. I think sometimes you've got to be careful with just being an authoritarian all the time and telling people off and, you know, constantly saying, no, this is wrong, this is wrong, do this, do that. Because in the end, it got worse and worse for me. But when no one was telling me off and just trying to say, look, it's down to you, it's it's a fine line, I think. So, you know, like I said with my kids, I want them to do well academically and I want them to love their sport, but I want them to be good people, you know, and I want them to have manners and respect and I think that's the one thing these days kids have have you know virtually none of compared to days gone by I mean I do see this your whole new culture of the tech culture and mobile phones and you know and it worries the life out of me really yeah. I mean so do yours have, have they got mobile phones and social media and stuff yeah they have and um I mean TikTok's been the bane of my life for the <laughs> lockdown and at least TikTok's sort of semi-creative yeah do you know what I mean but I do find it, you know, I mean, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? Because yeah. even, you know, me and my missus will sit there. Sometimes I'll be laying on the bed watching a bit of TV. I'm on my phone. She's on her phone. I'm thinking, how do you expect the kids to to do anything differently, especially when they're programmed that way in this new yeah. society? But we try, you know, I was speaking to my mate the other day, and he's like, you know, I, I don't let them have their phones, and they can have them for 10 minutes on a Friday. Oh. And, that's it. And I'm like, how'd you do that? You know, <laughs> I'm so that, you know, so now I say it's so easy, isn't it? To take the phone, you know, if, if they're not being good, the phone is always a great thing to remove from them. Yeah. We know that mm. they're obsessed with them. So you remove the phone, but me and my missus will always argue because it's when you give it back, you know, cause it's like, they'll, they'll be sure. Oh, well, you only give them back. It's so easy, isn't it? Just to get that bit of peace and quiet to go, Oh God, and here's your phone. But we mustn't do it as parents. Do you have rules, though? Do you have rules on the phone? Or is there any, like, sort of rules of social media? Is it private accounts? My missus monitors their social media like a hawk. You know what I mean? Okay. don't monitor my social media like a hawk. But, (laughs) But, you know, I think that if you... If you expose someone to something at a younger age and educate them about it, I'll be a lot more confident that they'll be able to deal with that. Not just now, but in the next few years as well. I don't agree with sort of keeping this away from them and say, no, you're not having a phone and you're not to go on social media. And Because when you get there, when you finally get that chance at, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 
you know, one, you're going to be wet behind the ears, and two, you're not really going to understand what's right and wrong. So, again, there's a fine line. It seems like there's a lot of fine lines on parenting between yeah. what to do. I, I don't mind them having social media, private accounts, et cetera, et cetera, and the missus, you know, no one can follow them unless the missus says so or approves it or whatever it is. But as long as they understand, I think the schools do a good job these days in educating mm. that. You know, because I think if I if I had grown up with social media, it would have been like the Wild West. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, if so, if someone has a follow request, will it have to go through their mum to approve yeah. it? Yes, be a lot more scary if it had to go through you. I would, I, I would never follow my mate if Eddie Hearn had to uh, approve she'd it. Like, she'd like on Instagram and be like zero followers. You <laughs> know. <laughs> but it was funny because when I did the KSI Logan Paul fight, people were going up to it at school going, "Oh my god." Oh my god, your dad knows KSI and Logan Paul, and she's like, she didn't even know they were. She's a bit younger than that, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're two guys. You don't. Oh my god. So I got those guys to do a little message for her, you know, on her TikTok, yeah. and just become basically like a legend at the school. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know. So that was nice. That was yeah. nice. All the oh, other superstars you've got, like Anthony Joshua. And no, stuff not like interested. That, but, yeah. Not interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> YouTubers. And do you reckon um, that your daughters will work in the family firm, or would you rather them do their own thing? When I left college, I was so hell bent on not working for my dad, because at school everyone would say to me, "Well, you're only going to go and work for your dad anyway. You ain't got to worry." You know, so I spent sort of four years out in. I was a, I was a sports agent and working in a sports agency and a sports management company because I knew that I would always end up in the family business. That's what he wanted. You know, he geared me and he educated me to try and you know take over from him. That's what he always dreamt that I'd do. So, you know, I think. But my kids, I don't really. I don't know. I'd like to see them go and see what they could achieve on their own. You know, I said in, in the book that one of my, I can't call it a regret, but in a weird way, I would have liked to have seen what I could have achieved without being Barry Hearn's son. You know? Yeah. I've done well, but it would have been quite exciting to see what I could have done from nothing. You know? But you have to play the hand you're dealt. And the hand they've been dealt is, you know, they can go and forge a career in anything they want to do. Do I want them being involved in sports management and events? Probably not. But if that's where their passion lies, and if they felt they had a responsibility to the family to, you know, to continue that legacy, then I'd, I'd more than support them. But one of my um, favourite bit of Eddie Barry Hearn parenting is to prove that you were like <laughs> should be an heir. Did he? Did you have a fight? Is that right? Yeah. So i was again i was quite boisterous growing up like I, I had a couple of amateur fights i was terrible but i thought i could be a world champion because i knew naz you know <laughs> so i quickly realized it didn't play out like that but um i would come home sometimes and you know i mean get in trouble when i was younger but i was like i said i was quite hilarious and if i had a fight you know on the playground or something i would come back to my dad and say yeah dad yeah you know, oh, oh, this bloke come up to kid come up to me and like, and he would at times sort of grab me and pin me up against the wall and say, "You think you're tough? You think you, you know?" And I'd be like, "Jesus!" And he always said to me that when I get when you get to eighteen, me and you are going to have a spa, and I'm going <laughs> to teach you about being a real man because you're a very little silver spoon kid and you need a pasting. Right? <laughs> so, but then I got to sixteen and I was like six foot two and probably like 14 stone and he was like do you know what i think we should bring it forward so, <laughs> so i basically said all right then you know we'll, we'll do that so 
we went down the Romford gym, we got gloved up, and I didn't really know what he was going to do, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, I thought back to those times playing cricket or playing table tennis where he never let me win, but this is different. This is boxing. This is actually quite harmful. So when the bell went and he ran out, I just see him, his teeth were like grunted. <laughs> he just sort of unloaded all these shots and I big right hand hit me right on the nose and, and I just saw his face like this. So I sort of covered up and then got through the round. In the second round, I hit him twice to the body and he went down and then he got up and then I hit him to the body again and he, he didn't get up. And I was felt quite bad for him because I thought, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> he, he got up and he was like, he was so happy. Honestly, he got up and he was like, son, you made me so proud today. I'm like, Dad, you're right. He's like, no, don't worry about me. That was brilliant. I'm like, <laughs> because, he, like you say, just that was his that was his sort of way of of making sure I was all right. Yeah. You know, and not not the traditional uh, parenting that we. <laughs> but that was just where he's from. The way he was born and raised was that. Look, if if you want to, I want to make sure you're you're made of tough stuff. So. That's what we did. And 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 it, it was in the paper the next day. So at school, like, it was literally Hearn's son KOs him in gym war or something like that. And it, <laughs> it was like going out there and doing, like, press releases about it. He was that happy. So it was like, oh, my, my son yesterday knocked me out. He's only 16, but it was great. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult to sort of understand, but that's it's a strange mentality. Because, well, like you say, he never sort of let you win and would go out your full pelt if you were playing cricket and stuff. But did that was that balanced with... So he was like, obviously, what he wanted you to work hard and succeed. But then he was like really proud of you, and did, and was he really encouraging when you did hit the sort of marks that he wanted you to hit? Or is he always that's not good enough? Keep going. What was the, what was his approach? It's all. It was always the winning. You know, it was never the taking part again, which is untraditional. So <laughs> he would never say to me, "Go and have a great game today, son." You know, and don't worry how you get on, but as long as you do your best. I mean, he does, you know, that that is his mantra, you know, mm. that you should always just do your best at everything you do. But if you don't win, then you've wasted your time. I mean, that's how, that's how I was brought up. So, you know, it was just a case of how many runs did you get today? Five. Oh, useless. Yeah, it doesn't mean he wouldn't encourage me. Yeah. But that, that's a fail. You failed. And that's the truth. That's life. There's nothing wrong with keeping it, simplistic and realistic about life if you don't achieve you failed but it, as long as you do your best that's that's the reality of what, mm. what we've got to teach the kids but you can't just tell them that oh, as long as you do your best you've won because you haven't you know life is about winning you have to do your best at all times but the reality is is if you don't hit the results doesn't matter whether it's cricket doesn't matter if it's business doesn't matter if it's gcse's you failed. So, so when you you promoted Anthony Joshua Klitschko, Wembley Stadium, and like ninety thousand people sold out Wembley Stadium, huge box office event, would that been enough for him? Would he pat you on the back and go, "Well done, you've won yeah, there"? That- yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're at a stage now where you know he he lets me get on with everything. You know, I think when I moved into boxing ten years ago, he left boxing because it is a terrible business. It's loads of aggravation. And he sort of said to me at the time, you're on your own on this, you know, I'll I'll support you, you go for it, but I don't want anything to do with it. But now, because of the success, you know, it's more about, um, you know, understanding that we're we're in a good place and and I know what I'm doing. So, and again, same kind of thing where he'll say to people, well, he's much better than me. You know, and it's kind of like that, back to that gym story, where he's like, yeah, he knocked me out. 
you know, he's like, he's my, oh, he's, he's a different level promoter to I was. You know, that, yeah. that's something I might struggle with saying, you know, yeah. at a later period in life. But um, I think, you know, he's, he would often say, you know, that was, a, you know, you're doing amazing. But he'd always say to me, don't get carried away. Because I'll come in, I'll say, well, I've done this. And, you know, we've had this year and this event, 90,000 here. And this is going, you're doing great. You're doing great. Don't get carried away. Can you see that Hearn sort of energy in your daughters where you you can sort of think, ah, <laughs> oh, I think this could turn, it could, you know, because that, like that sort of energy and commitment can be used for good or bad, can't it really? If it's yeah, channeled I, in the I right think, way. I think, I think the thing is, Rob, everyone thinks their kids are going to be superstars, don't they? You know, like how many times do you got the, the parent who takes their son for the Sunday league football and thinks he's going to be the next Ronaldo, you know, or the dad who takes the, the daughter to the driving range and thinks she's going to play on the LPGA tour. And, you know, I look at my kids and think, wow, you know, you're a great singer. You're, you can dance, you can play the piano and you're going to go on the West End stage. And, you know, the, rea- the reality is, is that, that at this age, you know, I don't think you ever know what you really want to do. I think it's important to have a wide activation level of, of trying all these different genres of activities to see what what you're good at you know that's why I encourage my kids to play every single sport I it that's probably what makes me the most happiest is when I see them playing hockey or netball or you know, horse riding or doing gymnastics I love to see that because I think we can learn so much from sport you know and when you see them come off of the hockey match and they all put their sticks up and they go through it and they shake everybody's hands you know, and they show respect and someone might have a bad game and you see one of them go up, put their arm around them and say, don't worry, you know, we've got a game next Wednesday. Sport can teach you so much about life and I think about the qualities of life. And I think, you know, that's always something as a family with, you know, I was pushed into every sport as a kid and I loved it. You know, my, my sister the same and that's what I want to try and do with my daughter as well because, you know, especially, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem if they wanted to start boxing. But the great thing about boxing is, and this is what, when I started boxing at about 13, I was, like I say, a silver spoon, spoon kid mm. going down to a, a, a club full of rough kids. Rough kids from completely different backgrounds than mine. And they bashed me up. Yeah. Right? So, but it, taught, it, it teaches you discipline. It teaches you respect. It teaches you a regimental lifestyle and taking instructions. You know, and I think that's why I feel like boxing can play such a big role in the community because of, of what it can do in people's lives. Yeah. So, and what boxing can do can be replicated in other sports as well. I think some people are a bit wary of like sending their kids to go boxing because I think they might get hurt or they think they'll just become sort of aggressive and stuff like that. But actually, I think, and you know better than me, that the reality is it's great discipline and it stops a lot of kids from being it does. getting it's into trouble so and fighting. Lives. I mean, every great fighter has a story about how they were arrested or in prison or in a gang or going nowhere. Boxing saves lives, but it's also very, very dangerous at the elite level. But I would mm. encourage all parents to take their girls, uh, daughters or sons to a local boxing club. You don't have to get in there and become a fighter, mm. but it's the training, it's the discipline. You know, it's the respect. These are the things that are missing from kids these days. And I think that I would love to see the government invest more into the local communities to make sure if you walk into a boxing gym, Rob, a local amateur gym, look at the kids in there and look at, think about what they would be up to if yeah. they weren't in there. I mean, yeah. you only got to look at them. They're away, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but they don't get in trouble. You yeah. know, those kids in that gym don't get in trouble. They don't get in trouble on the street. They don't fight on the street. 
you know, they're not, I'm not saying they're all going to go on and be academics, but, you know, when, when you talk to Anthony Joshua and people like that about, about how boxing changed and saved his life, not just in terms of providing a living, but what it did for his mentality of, of you know, of living and wanting to improve and wanting to live right and the, yeah. the right kind of life. I think, uh, but, you know, it's not just boxing. Sport, sport is so important. And I think if you're a parent, you know, not every kid is sporty, right? But I still think you have to encourage them to just do as many disciplines as they can. I think it's so good for them. When your uh, daughters get to 16, are you going to suggest they spar your wife? No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll be sparring me. I think, I, I think another two days of uh, homeschooling, I think it might happen anyway. <laughs> just, I reckon one day I might just wake up out of this isolation and just won't hear anything downstairs. And I'll look, out, I'll look outside and all the motors will be gone. <laughs> Hello? Hello? We also give uh, the guests an opportunity, uh, Eddie, on this podcast um, to, if there's a thing that annoys you about the, the way your partner parents, but you can't really say to their face without kicking off, is there something you would like to um, to mention that you'd like to sort of be adjusted on here that if your wife did listen, she, she may pick up on? Or as a man who's already in isolation as she's homeschooling, <laughs> you might want to duck out this question. But is there something you two argue over a bit or something you disagree yeah, on? Yeah, it, it, it's just that punishment and stick into that punishment, right? So we always argue. I go, if you if you don't do that, we're not going on holiday. And she goes, <laughs> well, we are going on holiday. I go, well, but we're not if you don't do it. <laughs> and my wife goes, what's the point in saying that? Obviously, we're going on holiday. I was like, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> well, right, if you do that again, you are not having your friend round. And she goes, well, but you will let them have the friend. And this goes on and on yeah. and on. So the one thing is the phone. The phone, I always say to her, I said, phones start arguments. You know, they're on there, there, but there's a, someone says something nasty on a group chat or something oh, like yeah. that. And then, and then there's a row, she's moody, she moans, you know, or something, I don't know, she watches something on YouTube that she doesn't like. I said, this, these phones are the root of all evil. So we have to accept that we're not going to get rid of them, but let's just limit them. But the the key for me is when I have a, a blazing round, I say, right, that's it. I've got the phones. I'm, right, And I get the phones and I hide them in the cupboard, right? <laughs> and then I go, I'm going to work. And my wife goes, where's the phones? Right? Because we know she needs those phones later <laughs> on in the day, right? So I go, no, no, I'm not telling you. She goes, what do you mean? You, you've got to tell me where they are. I go, no, I'm taking them to work with me. And I've on, on occasions just got in the car and drove off with all the phones. Do you know what I mean? And just like... <laughs> Bring the phones back. I need them as bait. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think if there was anything, it would just be like, just be tougher with the phones and just say, no, you get them back tomorrow or the next day or when you des- when you deserve them. You get back when you deserve it. But how, how oh, easy God. is it, guys? You know, when you're having dinner and you're on holiday and you know, every night, I, especially during lockdown and how things are at the moment, I've been trying to get home for six o'clock. We all sit down. We have a family dinner. I think that's great, great thing to do. But you know when you're away and you're just, you know, you're looking round and you see some parents like looking at your table and you're there having a nice glass of wine and your kids are like just literally the phone is an inch away from their face for two hours. <laughs> and you get, you get like you get like the, the sort of old school parents going, look at that, it's disgusting. And I'm like, yeah, 
I actually agree, but this does taste quite nice. So just <laughs> give me another 20 minutes. I mean, they're also, as well, they're not far away from being teenagers and start going out and stuff like that, oh, where it just goes yeah. up another level. Well, how old are yours? I'm, I'm only four, five and three, so oh, young right. I think you're all right at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a few years. No, I think that's going to get, when it gets really difficult, you know, that that's when I'm basically just going to leave full time. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of hiding a 14-year-old girl's phone. I mean, I'm hoping there's. I'm just hoping there's another virus out there that maybe can put you away for a month, <laughs> um, or something like that. You know, maybe we could sort of extend the isolation period. But I think um, it, is, it is difficult. But it just comes down to, in the end, you know, for the way I've been brought up, his family is absolutely everything, everything. So, just want them to be happy. I want them to be happy. I want them to be motivated, and I want them to have purpose in their life. You know, I don't want them to be one of those people that don't. I think. Purpose and passion. It's, I feel sorry for people that don't have that in their life. Yeah, you know, because I think if you wake up every, I couldn't imagine waking up every day not excited or buzzing about what I do. You know, and how many people don't get that opportunity? You're stuck in a bedroom for two weeks. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm still motivated. I'm still yeah. up you know, every day thinking about what we're going to do next show, the next fight to make, or next project we're going to work on. And I just think so many people go through life. If you don't have a passion for what you do, it's a waste, you know, and um, you just got to try and be the best version of yourself you can be. But that comes from having the passion and the drive to to have that kind of relentless spirit to just keep on going and love what you do. And that's what I want them to have. You know, I don't, I don't care what they do. They don't have to work for me, work in a bank, work at whatever, work with a charity. But as long as they get up every day with that passion and a fire in their belly and and, and enjoy life. Yeah, you know, I just want them to enjoy life. That's the key. But I also think, you know, when you talk about spoiling kids, I don't work as hard as I do just so I can, you know, feel good about myself. I want to make my family proud, but I want to make sure that my kids can have a great upbringing. You know, mm. I want to send them to the best school. Yeah, I want to make sure, you know what, if my if she plays tennis or she plays, I want to, I want to get her the top tennis racket. You know, I want to make yeah. sure that, I can do the things that I should be doing. I should be rewarded for. But at the same time, it's not just like, have that, have that, have that, have that, have that, you know, but it's difficult to, I want to spoil my kids, you know, Mm. I I want to. And that's something that I feel like as a family, we've built the right to do, but you just got to make sure they're good kids and they understand they're in a very good position, but that position has only come through hard work. And if they don't work hard, then it won't continue. And, you know, if, if they can be built of the same stuff as me and my old man, then they'll be all right and, and we'll keep that mentality. And I think I, I like, I love the working class mentality. You know, it's just when things are broken, that's how you fix it. And when things are tough, that's how you get out of tough spots. And um, when things are going well, that's how you maintain the humility to carry on. You know, the minute that you lose touch with that is the minute that I think that, that you'll start having problems. And uh, what's, what's the book called? Where can people get it? It's called Relentless. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, called, yeah, it's called Relentless, 12 Rounds of Success. And it's like sort of a third is like an autobiography, just talking about my upbringing. And then the rest of the book is talking about what I've learned so far in business and what I think it takes. Quite a lot of um, sort of motivation, mindset, work ethic, and then some of the key sort of business skills of selling and negotiating and and bouncing back and you know competition and it's it, to be honest I never when they approached me about it I thought they were having a laugh but when <laughs> when they launched 
you know, this no context Hearns uh, page that sort of emerged from. <laughs> yeah. you know, they were like, we want you to write a business book. And I thought, do you know what? I think this is a good time to do a business book because I can't just be remembered as a meme. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'd, I'd rather just have a bit of credibility. Yeah. That, you know, I used to be on a tube or a train going into Liverpool Street and people would go to me, oh, Eddie, love the boxing, you know, when's the next AJ fight, you know. Now I'm on there and they're going, oh, oh, it's you. Do that one where you go, oh, go on then. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh. And this really what it's come down to. And even my kids are going, Dad, you're all over TikTok. I'm like, really? What's that? I'm like, it and it's everywhere. But, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. That's, no. that's key in life. So oh, if, if you put a smile on people's face, then I'm happy. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Eddie. That's amazing. Thanks, Thank Eddie. you so much. Thanks for talking to us from your uh, lockdown. No worries, guys. I always said lock in. That'd be a much better time. <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> Eddie Hearn there. What a yeah. guy. I love him. It's, it's the kind of man crush thing, isn't it? Barry Hearn's more your era. <laughs> uh, you, I know for a fact you're obsessed with the fight between Barry and Eddie Hearn. I just find the- it absolutely fascinating. I just find it a shame they didn't put it on pay-per-view, Rob. <laughs> I mean, I would, I mean, would there be a market for a man fighting a child on, on pay-per-view? Yeah, on the dark web there might be. But... <laughs> I'm sure you can find it. <laughs> There's been moments when I've been woken at 3am where I've thought about a man fighting a child, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he would do, in, in, I say child, he was 16 and about 6 foot 3 and 14 stone probably. But um... Well, Eddie Hearn, thank you very much. Uh, he was so brilliant, genuinely. Um you know, I think we all fancy him, don't we, Rob? He's such a good-looking I mean, bloke. Yeah, the, the problem is six foot five. He's good-looking. He's a multi-millionaire, and he's charismatic and funny. Um, so thank you uh, to uh, Eddie. Thank, get well soon, Barry. Uh, it, it was an absolute pleasure. We'll be back on Friday, won't we? See you later. See you. Bye. <laughs>